What's up, you guys? This is another episode of Triple Option Report, where we talk about sports, comics, and pop culture. And most of you know that for the last uh, almost two weeks or so, I've been covering uh, college football with my college football conference preview episodes. So I've kind of missed two whole weekend recaps. So today, I wanted to just skim through what happened, what's happened over the last two weeks, two weeks or so. So first off, we're going to start off with wrestling. So with the G1 Climax, right? That was like the main event that I talked, that I, I hyped up earlier in my episodes. I watched the majority of it, don't worry. And the ending, obviously. Uh, I was going to say this. First off, the lows. Uh, there might have been too many people. But that's been kind of a problem with the G1 for the last few years now. And it's kind of diluted the product. Like, there's a, there are a lot more not top-tier wrestling matches recently. I remember a few years ago when it felt like there was a match of the year candidate almost every single day with the event. So, seeing uh, there being multiple days where there weren't very good matches at all was is, is still jarring to me. But, I'll say this. And the booking was questionable at times, too. There are certain people that got out of blocks that I was like, okay. Yeah, it's very confusing. But, I will say that uh, one in particular definitely did uh, but I'm not going to point out any names but I'll just I'll just say this uh it the, the pros the ending was as close to perfect as, as it could be I was off with who I thought would win I thought it would be someone from Los Ingenables de Apon so they could face Sonata the world champion it I picked the wrong guy I picked Shingo Takagi it was Naito and honestly the the the, the match with with, with uh, Okada closing out was amazing, and in a match year candidate in a year where that's not exactly an easy thing to do. I mean, we're talking about a year where we've had uh, a, a, the greatest Iron, Iron Man match of all time and two of some of the greatest wrestling matches period of all time, and that's up there with them. And it's just a perfect ending, honestly. And hopefully this time Naito ends up actually winning world championship at Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah. It, overall, it, it was a little rough, rocky, but at the end, the, the ending, the landing was perfect. Uh, I'd also say, one more thing I wanted to point out with pro wrestling was AEW. They did it. All In is officially the highest attended, I mean, that was the high, what, uh, the, mo- the largest amount of tickets distributed in, of any show in history. It's going to be the highest attended wrestling show of all time. Which, again, this is a four-year-old company. And what makes it different than WCW is that, in a lot of ways, WCW just felt like a continuation of Jim Crockett promotions. So it still had a past history of decades, in a way. This is just four years old. I mean, this is just remarkable, honestly. So, like, my hat's off to, to AEW. And I feel like it's just the beginning, honestly. This is special. Now, on to the movies. Uh, Barbie. Like I said before, a billion-dollar Barbie. Uh, is this the most... It could very well, very well be the most successful Warner Brothers Discovery movie ever. Like, it, like it's making history, y'all. And not just them, Oppenheimer. Now Oppenheimer has over seven hundred million worldwide. Worldwide. I mean, honestly, at this point, Oppenheimer could hit a billion. I mean, seriously, like, it's gonna very well could be the most successful R-rated movie ever. <laughs> That's crazy because it's three hours long. And it's about. It's practically just about, what, 
uh, war and making the atomic bomb. I mean, this being this successful is crazy. And just a, a stellar performance by both movies. And they're both, they're both, they're both great. So, honestly, they're probably going to be uh, in the Oscars, too, honestly, for Best Picture. Which is crazy. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, when it comes to comics, uh, sticking with movies, but now mixing comics in. Blue Beetle, on the other hand, and this is a good thing for Warner Brothers Discovery that Barbie, Barbie's doing so well because Blue Beetle, oof, rough first week. Uh, uh, not doing well at all box office. It's unfortunate because it's pretty obvious that it's a good thing that Warner Brothers Discovery is uh, transitioning fully from the Snyderverse and just everything in the past with the DCEU, but geez, they, they really kind of just sacrificed Blue Beetle in the process. Uh, same thing with the Flash. Flash is now officially going to make less than what it cost. Just, oof. But like, I will say this. I Flash I, wasn't a good movie. But Blue Beetle, it doesn't seem like it's a bad movie. So, it, it, a lot of it's just them not caring anymore. Like, okay, let's get to the next thing. And Blue Beetle to, to, to the old DC, to what's happening with Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers Discovery right now, kind of reminds me of the New Mutants with X-Men going from Fox to Disney. That was just kind of like the last movie left, so was, they were just like, ah, oh, just throw it out there, who cares? It, it, it's unfortunate for the director and everyone involved, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Now we're switching gears to sports. Uh, first off, James Harden. What the heck is that? <laughs> when I first saw that, I thought it was like a parody account. Like, And then I saw him actually talking and saying this stuff word for word, and I was like, oh my god. Like, I know that James Harden is a guy that will do what it takes to get out of a contract or a team he doesn't want to play for, but Jesus. And now we see stuff with Daryl Morey. It just seems like it's a lot with those two. And it's kind of, I kind of, you can blame both, honestly, in a way. It's just a mess. And the Sixers, I don't know, man. You can't have that going on throughout the whole season. It, like... It's kind of unfortunate because the Sixers are doing the whole trust the process and everything. Every single year it felt like, but now it just feels like it's getting farther and farther away from getting a ring potentially with that lineup they have. I don't know how much longer you can pull this off with everybody unless you just want to do a rebuild again. Because at the at this rate, at the rate it's going, I mean, you're just going to be good enough to be what, a top four in the East every year, but you're never going to win a ring. You're not going to beat the Lakers right now in the next two or three years. You're not going to beat the Nuggets, sure as heck, at, and you're not going to beat the Nuggets for the next at least five years. You're not going to, are you going to get past the Celtics, really? You really think you're going to be able to get past Boston anytime soon? Heck, even Milwaukee. No. Like, like, they're just kind of stuck. So what do you do? Do you get another superstar or do you start thinking, all right, how much longer can we really pull this off? So, like, it's kind of unfortunate because they went so far off from just how low they were. Uh, like a decade ago, but man, that that just it's just a mess. Uh, the WNBA on the other hand, okay, Aces. I thought earlier in one of my earlier episodes, I said the Las Vegas Aces look like one of, like the they could be the most dominant WNBA team of all time. But then the New York Liberty come in and smash them twice. I mean that. Ooh man. That's definitely going to be a WNBA Finals for the ages. Because it's going to be the WNBA Finals. Unless something crazy happens. Those two teams are on a whole other level. And they're really good. <laughs> like, just, uh, that's what you need, honestly, though. Like, 
what helped with women's college basketball were there are stars and dominant teams. What could help with WNBA is, is that if you have uh, uh, people like uh, Asia Wilson and Sabrina Inescu, I mean, you have stars like that on your team. Like, these are people who could be, like, mainstream stars. And just how deep both teams are. Like, that's the type of, of, of rivalry you need to really boost up the WNBA. And I think this could be potentially, if this continues for another one or two years, the thing that really puts WNBA on the map, just like what happened with women's college basketball. So, yeah, keep that going. Uh, also, UFC 292. Man, uh, I, I'll say this about the main event. Uh, I did not see Sugar Shea O'Malley doing that. I mean, I, I could see it, honestly. Yeah, you could see it. I, but it's not, it was not likely. Like, I think we forget how dominant Al Jermaine Sterling was. I get a lot of people didn't like how he won the first time over Peter Yan, but he proved that he was, he could beat him straight up the second time. And then going through, uh, uh, he was Cejudo and, 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 and uh, not just Hayes Cejudo, but but dominating uh, T.J. Dillashaw, and even before him with Corey Sandhagen, like he's had a dominant reign, an all-time reign at bantamweight. So seeing uh, uh, Aljamain get knocked out, like K- TKO'd, was uh, I. I just didn't expect him to let that happen. If he was able to let Peter Yan do that to him, I didn't expect uh, Sugar Shay to do it either. Now I'll say this. Uh, O'Malley is not a, a, he wasn't a joke heading into it. He beat Peter Yan straight up. And I, sh- I, I saw, like, he's always been a great striker. He has crazy reach. He's tall. He's fast and quick and he has power. But I, Peter Yan was a guy who was a pretty good boxer straight up. So, and he held his own. After he almost got knocked down, he, he came back and, and almost dropped Peter Yan himself. And, and it was back and forth. Straight up. It, it, it was not like fluky. So he proved, like, skill-wise, he could hang with a box like Peter Yan even beforehand. Like, a lot of people thought after the Marlon Vera TKO loss that this guy was just another hype train that got derailed. But then he just did KO after TKO after TKO, and the competition got better. And then against Pedro, I mean, against Peter Yan, he just proved, like, yeah, he, he was legit. And now he's world champion. It's going to be very difficult to beat him, honestly. I think that Sterling's one of the few who can because of just how good his wrestling ability is. But outside of that, it's going to be tough, man. He's a tall dude. He's long. It's going to be hard to take him down like that because no one else really has before. And if you're going to go stand go stand up with him and, and like try to strike with him, it's uh, not going to be fun. I will say him calling out Javante Davis, Dana White, please pay your fighters. Because him in a boxing match would not end well for him at all against Gervonta Davis. I, I think we forget Gervonta's a big dude for his weight class. I know we think, oh, he's short, but no, like walking around weight, weight he's probably bigger than, than, o, than O'Malley is, honestly. And, and he's very dense and he has an insane amount of power. That would end terribly. So, yeah, like Dana White, please pay your fighters so they stop doing this. He went straight to going to Gervonta and didn't even talk about the actual UFC, like who his next opponent is. And now with that out of the way, the main event for me, the World Athletic Championships in Budapest, Hungary. So first off, I, I just want to go ahead and say this. A lot of people 
we're probably thinking like, oh, last year is kind of fluky because the U.S. has been kind of disappointing in track and field for the last almost 20 years now. And they thought like, oh, last year was just a fluke because it was in Eugenia's in the U.S. U.S. has proven today, like right now, nah, that was not a fluke. They're legit. They're winning gold and winning a lot of medals. They won, what, 13 golds and 33 at, at last year's World Championships? They could surpass that. I think they have, what, uh, seven or eight golds already? If I'm correct. And, like, a, a lot of overall medals. Six or seven, I think. But, yeah, like, they're almost halfway through already. And we've only done, what, three days? Almost four? Three or four? Yeah, four days. That's it. But, like, first off, Shakara Richardson, congrats. She's went through a lot of crap. And I'll say this, like, first off, how she went about, like, when she talked about her Olympic teammates, like that on Twitter or whatever, how that was, like, uh, that was, yeah, that was unfortunate, and she shouldn't have done that. And, yeah, stuff happens, but I'll say this. She's really worked her butt off to, to prove that she deserves to be, that she wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like a one-year wonder. Last year, she, I, you can see it last year, honestly. She improved a lot. It's just she was still kind of inconsistent with her starts, and that showed again at, at the world, at the U.S. Championships last year. Why she missed the team last year, but this year, she's finally consistently getting a better start, and it really showed. And she can still get a much better start than that. She went at ten six five, and she still is the last person or second to last at the blocks. If she can get a decent start. Who knows what could happen, man? I I, I know ten four nine is a massive uh, step up from ten six five, but I'm just saying her second like her close her closing speed is the best I've seen since Flojo. And how she runs, I'm not trying to be cliche or anything, but really, like her her strides are crazy. Like she stretches her legs out almost like a straight line at her full stride. Like how she gets up and gets down like that. Her top end speed is. Insane. She ran down Shrika Jackson. I don't think people understand how good Shrika Jackson is. She's one of the best. She's probably the closest there's ever going to be to breaking Flojo's 200-meter record, at least the next 20 or so years. And, and to see her close her down, like, yeah, man. Like, this, she's special. If Elaine Thompson can get healthy enough, as she usually does for the Olympics next year, 2024 is going to be special. Noah Lyles, most likely is going to probably double uh, uh, he's already won gold in 100. Yeah, man. Like, like you, you're going to have some special... Ooh, boy. Like, you got some crazy stuff happen, man. Uh, a, a lady won gold in the discus by throwing four meters past her personal best. And I don't think you understand how far that is when it comes to, to, to throwing. That is massive. That would be like, uh, uh, per, like in the past, being able to run like a ten flat, and that's your personal best in the hundred, and then you out of nowhere run like a nine six nine or something, like that's how crazy that is, like just astronomical. Like there, there's some really awesome stuff happening. Records being broken, uh, it, it's it's a lot. The f- mixed four by four. Again, I don't think anyone saw that coming. The U.S. winning is not a shocker at all. No, when it comes to any four by four relay, the U.S. winning is like. <laughs> Actually, the the U.S. losing is a shocker in any of those situations. But how they won was a huge shocker. Running down a, a Femke ball is not a normal thing to happen. Like, that shouldn't happen. Like, that, that was just crazy. But 
uh, yeah, like, it's just beginning. It's only four days. You still got, what, a whole week almost left? So, yeah, everyone stay tuned and continue to watch uh, the World Athletic Championships. It's mainly on CNB CNBC, if I'm correct. Now, I talked about everything, and now it's time for my big-time pick. First off, I just want to say uh, I'm going to stick with track and field, and I'm going to stick with Noah Lyles. I think he can be very—I th I think this man is going to make history. My big-time pick is that not only does he double and win the 200-meter dash gold, I think the U.S. does a clean sweep. I think uh, as good as, as uh, uh, the guy from Botswana, he's legit. Let's see, let, was it, uh, let's see led to Bogo. As good as he is, I think that Arian Knight and, 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 and Kenny Bednarik are going to come when it matters the most and then edge him out for silver and bronze. But I think the gold, not only does Noah allows win the gold in 200, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Noah allows breaks Usain Bolt's world record in 200. In the process. I know. It's a crazy bold prediction. <laughs> I know I'm going to look insane and look absolutely stupid if I'm wrong. But you know what? Screw it. I don't care. That's that. That's a bold pick I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now. And 2024 next year, y'all, in Paris, it's going to be special. That's going to be an all-timer. Like, oh, wait, 2012 level Olympics all-timer. So definitely watch next year. So that's all for the weekend recap, or weekends recap, since that's the last two weekends. Uh, I just want to thank y'all for listening to this. And I also want to thank y'all for following me on Twitter. Underscore, uh, at, geez, at Pulliam underscore Blake, P-U-L-L-I-A-M, all lowercase. And follow me on threads at, well, not at, Jesus, Blake underscore Pulliam one, all lowercase. And follow me on TikTok where I just made my first video. Uh, it's a short little 60 seconds on my top five Heisman snubs. Uh, it got a lot of traction. So yeah, definitely watch that and uh, follow me on TikTok. It's the triple option report, just like, my, just like my podcast. And if you can, please subscribe, please download. I'll see you guys on Friday. That's it for today. See y'all. Bye.